Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to another service at Warden Full Gospel Assembly. And this is the last Sunday that you are required to wear a mask. So I just want to make that announcement that if you come back next Sunday, you're not obligated to wear a mask. You will receive an email from me uh, this week explaining things and um, hoping that you will... Those of you certainly who are watching online will make an attempt to come back into full fellowship in our sanctuary next week as no mass will be required. We're in this series called the Beatitudes in which Jesus gives us eight conditions to be blessed by God. Now, if you do these eight things, you will have God's blessing on life. That's in essence what Jesus is saying. Blessings in your relationships, on your finances, in your time, on your health, etc., etc. Every capacity, every facet of life is included within these eight little statements that Jesus makes. Simple statements, yet when you put them together collectively, they have an, a, a profound effect on our lives. And if you embrace these principles, they can exponentially affect your life in a dynamic way. I, do, I don't think we really realize the significance of what Jesus is saying here. I don't think we really understand the power that is contained in these brief, simple statements. Because if we really understood it, our lives would be so much different because we understand the dynamic ways in which our lives can be totally changed as a result of these statements. Today, we look at beatitude number seven. In verse nine of Matthew chapter five, the Bible says these words, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. One of the characteristics of being a follower of Jesus is that we are called to be peacemakers. You and I are peacemakers. Now that's really difficult sometimes for us to understand because we are imperfect people. And we're all so different. But in life, no matter who you are, you will experience conflict in a variety of ways. Every single day of your life, there is contention, there's conflict that you will experience. Literally, everywhere, there is contention. Whether it's at work, whether it's with your friends or with children, children between parents, there's contention with governments. There's contention in neighborhoods, with neighbors, in marriages, even in churches, you will find conflict. And into such an environment, into this contentious world, Christians are called to be people who restore, who reconcile straining relationships, who contend in the midst of all of these contentions, and who try to build health and healing into relationships. Now, from the very onset, before we talk about being a peacemaker, let me tell you what peacemaking is not. It is not avoiding or running away from a problem simply to, or simply to grit and bear it through a problem. That's not what peacemaking is. Nor is peacemaking simply giving in to whatever the general consensus is. That's, that's simply appeasing. That's not peacemaking. Appeasing is not peacemaking. What peacemaking is, is we try to resolve and be a part of the solution in the midst of conflict. 
Since we, all since we all engage conflict, since we all experience conflict in a variety of ways, in various dimensions, our call is in the midst of those conflicts to be peacemakers. Right now, right now, there's major conflict happening in the world. Major conflict between Ukraine and Russia on an international level. But that isn't the only place on an international level in the world where there is conflict. There's conflict right now between Pakistan and India, between the Palestinians and Israel. There's conflict between Iraq and Iran. And that doesn't, encou- that doesn't count all the internal strife that is happening within nations. There is conflict between generations, between race- races and nationalities. There's conflict between various religions. There's conflict on a, on, in, in political parties. Conflict between rich and poor, between educated and uneducated, between church members. I think all of us will agree. We live in an environment, we live in a world where we need peacemakers because there is so much conflict in our world today. In James chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, this verse is part of the universal law that God has put in place, this universal law of sowing and reaping or planting and harvesting. There is a law that God, a universal law that God has placed into the universe. As God designed the universe, he says, whatever you sow, you will reap, whether it's good or bad. It's for both. Whatever you sow, you will reap. In other words, if you sow gossip, people are going to turn around and gossip about you. If you sow resentment, you're going to experience resentment back into your life. If you sow bitterness, you are going to receive bitterness back. If you sow kindness, however, you are going to see that people are kind in return to you. If you sow generosity with people, people will be generous with you. But here's the interesting thing about this universal law of sowing and reaping. You don't get back exactly what you put out. You get back more. If you plant a kernel of corn, you don't harvest back one kernel of corn. You get a stock of corn with thousands of kernels of corn. If you plant one tomato seed, you don't get one tomato seed back. Instead, you get dozens of tomatoes, and in each one of those tomatoes are thousands of seeds. You see, in the law of sowing and reaping, you always get back more than what you plant. So whatever you plant, whatever you plant, you will always harvest back more. So if you plant conflict, you're going to reap more conflict back into your life, more than you've ever imagined. But on the other hand, if you plant seeds of peace and reconciliation, your life is going to be returned with lots of peace and reconciliation. And what is so interesting, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew Chapter 5, Jesus makes this statement, and then the Bible is full of steps or full of examples on how you can be a peacemaker. 
We are called to be peacemakers. We are called to be people of peace. And while Jesus makes this pronouncement, and while he makes this incredible, blessed statement that if you are a peacemaker, you will be called children of God, the Bible then gives us steps that we can follow on how to be peacemakers. And the first step in resolving conflict is you make the first move. You take the initiative. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and verse 24, just a little bit later in this chapter. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, notice what it says, you leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer sacrifice to God. What God is saying here, friends, is that any type of reconciliation in any relationship, to have harmony in relationship, this is so important to God, it is more important to him than you coming into this sanctuary and worshiping. God is saying, if there is something that you need to resolve, you need to take care of that first before you come and bring your offering and come and bring your sacrifices into the temple of the Lord. Now, you may be thinking in your mind, well, it's not my fault. It's all of their fault. They need, they need to come to me first. Then, we, since it's their fault, they need to come to me. Then we can resolve the issue. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. God's plan in reconciliation is that God expects you and me to take the first step. That's what's being called a peacemaker. You see, friends, no conflict is resolved accidentally. Conflicts don't resolve themselves. There always has to be an intentional move by someone in order to resolve conflict. So if you're holding on to resentment and you're holding on to bitterness or you're holding on to hurt, it will not get better as time passes. The more that you put things off on issues that have been attributed to you, the worse the problems will become because your heart becomes harder and harder and harder in the midst of that situation. Peacemakers take the initiative. Peacemakers take the initiative to face and resolve conflict head on. Not go around it, not by being passive aggressive, not going over top of it, not beneath it, but straight on. And here, let me tell you something. You take that initiative, I can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit of the Lord will give you the courage and the words to deal with the issue at hand because you take the initiative. The second thing in the process is that we are to ask for wisdom. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You see, this verse encourages us to pray and ask God for God's help and God's wisdom. Because many times when confronting issues, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it properly. We don't know when and how to engage in a, in a wise way. So God says when you're confronted with issues and you need wisdom, come to me and I will give you the steps and I'll give you the words. I'll give you the wisdom that you need in order to address the issue at hand. 
All this step, step number two, all this step is promoting is that you and I decide from the outset that we are going to find a solution. We are going to engage the process to find a solution. And we want God's wisdom in the midst of dealing with the situation. The third thing is that the Bible says we need to identify our faults. In the process of being a peacemaker, a third step that the Bible says to become a peacemaker is identify your faults. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You see, instead of accusing, instead of attacking, instead of making excuses for yourself, instead of blaming other people, what this verse is saying is you need to take a careful look at what is within yourself. What is going on inside of you? Now, the conflict could be 99.9% the other person's fault. But what the scripture is saying here is you need to find something in your own personal life. Don't look at the other person. Look inside yourself first. As minute and as small as that issue may be, you need to confess. You need to take ownership of that little bit of how you contributed to the situation. However big that may be or however small that may be, you look into yourself and see, where did I make a mistake? Maybe I became a bit too defensive or I became too harsh or I spoke a word that was quite negative and harsh to them. Maybe I made a poor response into the situation. So the Bible is saying here, take a step back and look at what's going on inside your own heart. See, there are two issues When it comes to conflict or the first cause of what causes conflict. And this is one of the things that James chapter one is describing here. The first cause of conflict is there's a war going inside with inside of you. And that first cause is self-centeredness. It's what's going on inside me. What's going on inside you? Am I filled with me? Is it an ego, a self-centeredness? where anything can irritate me, where things tick me off quite rapidly and quickly, the smallest, most frivolous thing sets something off in me because it is something against me. I'm full of myself where I am just all these hurts and all these feelings arise and I'm very, very quick to rebuke and to attack. What the scriptures are talking about here is If you want to be a peacemaker, before you can be a peacemaker and have that blessing of God on your life, you need to understand that God is saying there's some conflict going on in your own personal life that you need to address. What is happening inside of you that is causing you to react this way? And the attitude, unfortunately, of a lot of people, because we are so egocentric people, the unfortunate attitude that dominates so much of our lives is, I want what I want when I want it. 
That's the attitude. I want what I want when I want it. And the crazy thing is I have that, I have that perception of myself. You have that same desire. You want what you want when you want it. And when I want what I want when I want it, and you want what you want when you want it, those two come together and they bump into each other, that's where conflict happens. But when I'm at peace and I suppress this egomaniac self in me, when I'm at peace on the inside, it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. It doesn't have to affect me. It doesn't have to upset me. I don't have to agree with everything and I, what I see. It, it doesn't mean that I don't think things need to be changed or not to be changed. It just means that inside me, I am, I am satisfied with who I am and I'm not going to get distressed and I can disagree and not be distressed about it because I'm at peace on the inside. See, when we get distressed on what is going on inside of us, when we are stressed out about us, it affects our perceptions and how we view the world and how we view other people. Oftentimes, on the news, you may hear in the media of famous people divorcing and if you pay close attention, a lot of times when the reason for the divorce of, you know, public figures, when, when they're making that announcement, a lot of times the description of why they're getting a divorce is, we're just simply incompatible. That's what they say. We're simply incompatible. The truth is, friends, all of us are incompatible. Because we are all so different. Nobody is going to be as compatible with you because nobody is exactly like you. So we're all incompatible. So no matter who you are, no matter who you spend time with, no matter who you marry, you are going to be incompatible with that person. But the truth of the matter is this. You can get along with anybody when you choose to get along with a person. You can love anybody to, when you choose to love that person. But here's the issue again. The issue is I want what I want when I want it. It has nothing to do with incompatibility. People are more willing to let a relationship die than to change and submit to one another. It's not a matter of incompatibility. It's a matter of maturity. And if I can be mature enough to suppress this ego that I have and that you have that always tries to rise up within us, when we suppress that and submit ourselves one to another and we choose to do that, we can be compatible to one another because we submit to one another. So the question is about this whole incompatibility issue is, Am I willing to be flexible? Am I willing to submit myself? Am I willing to grow? Am I willing to be unselfish? And I, am I willing to learn from somebody who is different than I am? Am I willing to humble myself? Am I willing to be humble and submit myself to another person? 
That's what self-centeredness, that's what James chapter 4 verse 1 is describing. That's this self-centeredness that causes conflict in relationships. And then the Bible says there's a second cause. There's a second cause besides self-centeredness that causes conflict. And it's pride. Pride. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 10, pride leads to conflict. Pride, I got to say this again, pride leads to conflict. Yet those who are wise take advice. When you and I wrestle with pride, our feelings get hurt easily. Our egos feel wounded. And in pride, we become stubborn. Now pay attention to what I'm going to say here. I'm going to give you the secret miracle sentence that will break any impasse in any argument. This is a secret statement. You need to write it down and use. This is so secretive that you watching and hearing are the only ones that are getting this. Here is the secret statement that will bring an impasse to any argument. Break any impasse. Here it is. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. That's the secret statement. And if you use those words, it will break any impasse. That's the miracle phrase. People are looking for miracles. I'm giving you a miracle phrase right now. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. The reason, friends, listen, the reason we need to learn this phrase is because all of us, no matter who you are, all of us, including myself, we have blind spots in our lives. All of us have weaknesses that we can readily identify, but we know our weaknesses. We know our weaknesses, but blind spots are our weaknesses that you can't see yourself, but other people see them. They, they are weaknesses in your life that you've never seen, but other people see them. That's what blind spots are. Other people see those weaknesses in your life. You can see my weaknesses clearly that I may not even be aware of. That's a blind spot. And that's why we should always engage conflict when we have issues with somebody with a humble heart because the faults that we see in other people, they also see glaring faults in your life that you may not see and recognize. So when you're in a conflict situation and you want to be a, a peacemaker, take a step back, look at yourself, have some personal introspection time, and ask yourself, am I being insensitive? Am I the cause of this conflict? Is it because I am grateful? Am I being over-demanding? And am I willing to say, I'm sorry, I was only thinking of myself? In other words, this step requires honest evaluation of myself to look at my blind spots and what I may be contributing to the situation. 
The fourth step is listen to their perspective. Listen to their perspective. James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, if you do the first two things that this verse is describing, if you do the first two things, which is listen and slow to speak, the third is automatic. If you are quick to listen and slow to speak, the slow to get angry is automatic. And here's the interesting thing. If you embrace being a peacemaker, and that is part of what you want to do as being a follower of Christ, let me tell you something. People feel validated when they feel that you are listening to them. When people feel that they are not listened to, when they, are, when they feel like they're not being valued as a human being, they begin to shrink back, they begin to disengage, they begin to remove themselves out of a relationship with you. And if you want to connect with people, you want to start with their needs, you want to listen for their hurts, you want to understand their interests, it's not what they say during an argument, it's the emotion behind what is transpiring, behind their words. It's not the ideas that cause conflict. It's the emotion behind the idea. And so when somebody feels slighted and somebody gets their feelings hurt, that's when the conflict escalates because they don't feel like you're paying attention to them. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What is the Bible saying here? The Bible is saying something very significant in this whole context of diffusing conflict in relationships. What the Bible is saying is there has to be a volitional decision, an intentional switch from your focus off of yourself to the needs of other people. That word look that you see here in Philippians chapter 2, where it says don't look out for only your interest. That word look is the word scopus. We get, we get, in scopus, we get this word microscope from. That's the word. When you look at the little things, scopus, that you normally can't see, focus, focus on that. In other words, don't just zero in on your own needs, the Bible is saying. But take a look, focus in on the needs of the person that you're having a problem with. That's what Philippians chapter 4 is saying. Focus, not on your own needs, but take initiative to focus on the needs of other people. That's what Philippians is trying to tell us. Focus on seeing their perspective. Focus on seeing their view, viewpoints. Understand and focus on maybe the emotional pain that they may be in or suffering. I love the Chinese proverb that says, Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. And that's what Philippians is talking about. Seeking to understand before seeking to be understood. 
That person at your place of employment or that neighbor who is irritating, for example, and you don't like being around them because something just irritates you about them. Scopus would say, you don't know their circumstance. You don't know their situation. You don't know their background. You don't know their motivations. And the less you understand about them as a person that you are maybe engaged with at the workplace or in your neighborhood, the more irritating and impatient you will be with them. But if you scopus, if you focus on actually taking time to get to know them, the pressures that they may be under, the difficulties that they may be going through, you will probably cut them some slack. If I would have gone through some of the difficulties that they went through and that they experienced, if I would have experienced the kind of prejudices that they experienced, or if I experienced the kind of bigotry that they experienced, if I had that kind of hurt happen to me in my life, I'm not sure I would be in the same kind of positive place that they are in. See, anytime somebody does something, listen, Anytime that somebody does something that causes you to say, well, that doesn't make any sense, find out what they are going through and try to understand their perspective a little better, the doubts and the fears that they may be dealing with. See, where it's so easy to cast judgment When something somebody does or says, we're so easy to cast judgment very quickly. But the Bible is saying something very significant here. If we are to be peacemakers, Philippians, please underscore that again. Don't look out for your own interests. That's what Philippians is describing for us. Focus in, zero in, become considerate, understand, become patient, and become a lot less judgmental, and you will see a diffusing of the conflicts that happen in your life. Fifthly, here's a fifth thing the Bible talks about as being part of the peacemaking process. You need to speak tactfully. Speak tactfully. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. What the Bible is saying is we need to be people who speak kindness and say things tactfully. Well, I'm just the kind of person who just tells it like it is. Well, that kind of speech is labeled as rude. That's not always the best approach just to tell it like it is. It really means that you don't care about other people as long as your opinions are being expressed. You don't care about anybody else's opinions. You are never persuasive when you are abrasive. In your speech. Anytime you start acting. And speaking. 
in an irritating way, aggressive way, people will stop listening to you. Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is, listen, this is one of the greatest verses that you could ever learn and memorize. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can be an encouragement to those who hear them. In essence, what the Bible is saying, don't use harmful words. And since we are all imperfect people, any relationship that we encounter, there will be times of arguments and sometimes words are said that we regret saying. In the midst of conflict, words come out. But the real question is, are we going to make a volitional attempt at least to remove some of the inflammatory words from our vocabulary when we are in argument with other people? Are there certain words that you need to not use because those words will trigger additional negative responses from people? A peacemaker is well aware of the words that will tra- trigger additional negative responses. Words that may enrage, words that are harmful and demeaning, words that belittle a person, words that shame someone. Early on in our marriage, Gabby and I decided that one of the words that we would never use if and when an argument occurred is the word divorce. We would never use that word. We wouldn't say that word in front of our children, and we would never say that we are getting a divorce. We took that word off of the table. That word was off limits. Because we knew that word is a harmful word to any marriage, and we're not going to use that word in any of our conversations. That word doesn't come up. See what I'm talking about? I'm not saying we don't have arguments, and we don't have very heated discussions, but the word divorce never comes up. See, there are certain words that you know triggers another person. There are words that you can use that will elevate and agitate the contention and bring harm into relationship. Those kind of words, you need to make a decision. If I'm going to become a peacemaker, then I am going to be a person who eliminates those words. I'm not, those words are going to be off limits. And perhaps before you go home today or this afternoon, you will make a list of the words that where you agree in your own life. You write them down and say, you know, no matter how angry I become, no matter what I say in my verbal entourage of what comes out, no matter what upsets me, I am not going to use these inflammatory words. Peacemakers who want the righteousness and the blessing of God to rest on them are people who understand the power of words and the harm that words can bring into relationships and into conflicting situations. And here's the last biblical step the Bible gives us in resolving conflict. 
and allowing you to become a peacemaker. It's focused on reconciliation. Reconciliation means reestablishing the relationship. It means bringing peace into the midst. It means not holding on to any type of hurt any longer, but bringing peace with other people, bringing peace with each other. It doesn't mean you agree with everything, but there is a, there is a, a certain level of, I can be at peace with this. See, you can have, listen, you can have unity without uniformity. In other words, we can walk hand in hand together without seeing eye to eye. And here's my challenge to all of us. Our world, our world is faced and filled with so much conflict. You just have to pick up a newspaper or go online. Maybe even in your own home right now, there is conflict. Listen, there is conflict everywhere, as I mentioned earlier. War, division, arguments, racism, stress between people, prejudices, violence, tribalism, terrorism, partisanism, all kinds of isms. There are broken relationships, broken families, broken marriages, broken government, broken economy. We have broken lives and broken hearts. Conflict is everywhere. And yet... In the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all these crazy-isms, the Bible says, let's focus on reconciliations as Christians. Somehow, let's be peacemakers. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and verse 19 says. Listen to these words. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Notice this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Listen, those of you sitting in the sanctuary and those of you who are watching online right now, your ministry, if you say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Christ, your ministry, my ministry, our ministry today is that we have a ministry of restoring relationships, reconciliation. That's our ministry God gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Just as God reconciled us to himself, he is saying, you need to love people in such a way that you are reconciling yourself to them and them to you. And between you and them and God, there is this fantastic relationship bond that is developed because we have a ministry of reconciliation. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
This is what it means to be a witness to the world. When there is so much conflict going on, the church of Jesus Christ can rise up and declare peace. But in order for us to be a peace-loving people, we need to be people who embrace the call of God to be peacemakers. We need to learn to love within our families, within the church family. We need to learn how to be peacemakers. It means that we are part of society where we live with the personal knowledge that we have been reconciled to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that becomes such a strong bond in us when we know that our sins are forgiven and that we are in peace with God, that he is now requiring us to be people who spread peace in every area of our life, in every situation in life, in every relationship that we encounter, we are to be people who spread peace. That's what it means to be a witness in this world. When there's so much conflict, we stand up and we join together and we declare we are people of peace. In whatever encounter you have with people, we are going to be people who initiate peace. And when you do this, and when you live like this, and it becomes a part of your life, the Bible said, God, the Bible says, God blesses the peacemakers. And when you involve yourself in this process of peacemaking, the Bible goes on to say, you will be called the children of God. It's who we are. It's who we need to be. The most hurtful testimony, the most hurtful testimony is when the church of Jesus Christ is not at peace and the people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are not at peace with one another. It's the worst testimony the world can see. There's enough conflict in the world out there. It undermines the testimony of Jesus when there's conflict in the church. It undermines everything that Jesus did. And it turns people off of following Christ. Because if we can't get along, then there's no hope for anybody else. But if you understand, you have been reconciled with God and you put your faith in Christ and you have been redeemed by the Lord and your sins are forgiven, then the mandate stands true that we need to be people who take up the mantle and become peacemakers. Because only when the church 100% does that will a testimony of the church influence the community that is in darkness. It doesn't happen any other way. And what Jesus is saying here, listen... What Jesus is saying is all of us have that responsibility. All of us have that responsibility. We are called to be peacemakers. 
And then God says, when you do, you're my child. Because I've redeemed you. So that's the challenge to us today, friends, isn't it? It's a heavy-loaded challenge. And the question is, let's look in ourselves and ask ourselves, am I up to this challenge to be a peacemaker for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave up everything to bring peace into my life? Amen? Let's stand. Those of you who are watching, join with us in prayer as we close together today. Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit today challenge us, convict us, O Lord, that in every aspect of our life, in every situation that we encounter, wherever we find ourselves, when there is conflict that arises, may we, O God, be peacemakers and allow the Holy Spirit to just allow your love and your peace comfort and your peace to govern every situation help us not to take things personal help us to be people who are not overly sensitive with everything and anything somebody may say help us just to be people who can be at peace with you and love and be kind to others and speak words of encouragement consistently and constantly is my prayer for my life lord and for all of us in our church in jesus name I give you praise and glory of what you want to do through my life, in our life, in our church, O oh God, into this community as we become peacemakers. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.